What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the False Nine Podcast. This is episode nine. I'm your host today. My name is Lewis. I'm joined here with Santiago to review the first part of the UCL the past two days. Santi, how are you doing today? Let's go, man. A lot of soccer, a lot of things to talk about. I'm I'm excited. I watched all these games to the to the thorough of the detail. Mm, I got a lot to say. Let's go. Well, we're going to have some Gary Neville level analysis here of this game, ladies and gentlemen. Um, yeah, definitely a lot of crucial matchups in this first week of the group stage. And, you know, we're going to get right into it. Santi's going to join us here for the first part. And then we're going to swap in Edwin for the second half of the our review of the big matches. But let's get to it. All right, Santi. So, you know, we had a lot of intriguing matchups, and I think the first place we have to get to is what happened over in Belgium. We have the debut of Eminem, also known as Messi, Neymar, and Mbappe. PSG, they drew with Club Bruges, 1-1. How did that front three look to you? Um, so watching it, I was very like I like like you said, very excited. First time Eminem new trio played all together um for the first i'm gonna say when was this when's the first goal scored i went until the first goal you kind of see some flashes they didn't have that much chemistry they didn't have that much rhythm together they weren't they weren't really there was never really a connection between the three of them but they were pretty much dominating the game you know i saw messi Messi, Messi's trying to connect with Hakimi. Like I think I mentioned a couple of times before, like you could, I could maybe see Hakimi becoming Danny Alves in the future. Uh, we'll get to him in a little bit, but and kind of see that same connection. Uh, and then he was trying to combine with Neymar. I never really saw him combine with Mbappe. Mbappe wasn't really looking for the two. It was just like kind of like just not that good. I mean, they scored and literally just. <laughs> The entire game completely changed after they scored. I don't know what happened, but Bruce was like, "All right, fuck it, we're gonna lose anyway. Let's just go all out press." And they were. It was like literal. It was like Jurgen Club high press. Every time the PSG got the ball, there was a man on top of them, and Bruce played a hell of a game. Kind of upset that they didn't win. Not gonna lie, um, but they drew. I don't know if you saw the same thing, but then Mbappe got injured. Too. Yeah, so he, that's he uh suffered an ankle sprain, had to come off in the 51st minute. Uh Mario Cardi subbed in. Yeah, so that that's kind of, I feel like that's concerning too. Um but man, that was a that was a good game. Yo, I'll I'll be honest, I was so surprised that they were just so bad. Like if you see the attempts, it would it was PSG dominated possession at 64% of the ball, but Club Bruges actually had 16 shots compared to PSG's nine. There we go. And seven shots on target to PSG's four. And I was going to mention a little bit what you said about the pressing. Um, you know, Club Bruges, they really came after them a lot. Um, I think a lot of the Club Bruges' chances came from taking the ball right from PSG in the midfield, someone putting a tackle in, and, you know, just forwarding the ball straight ahead in behind, trying to get attacked to the fence. And I think they had the most clear chances um, that 
you know, that kind of had the, you know, they beat them on expected goals. Club Bruges had 0.76 XG compared to PSG's 0.42. Um, we saw early on Leandro Paredes, he caught a, a yellow card. Um, it was awful. Yeah. And, you know, some people might have said it might have been a red card. Um, a lot of the Club Bruges players were, were confused at that. But they were really getting after PSG, trying to force turnovers uh, and getting right straight ahead to the counterattack. You know, 16 shots on 36 possession, that's that's really big. And talking about the front three, uh, Messi and Neymar, they both played 90 minutes. Messi, he had a shot attempt. Um, he connected with Neymar, and he was he hit the top corner of the woodwork. Uh, Messi, one big chance missed. That was a big chance, and he also created another big chance. He had, a, he had another shot in the 69th minute. Uh, Neymar, no shots attempted in this game. Uh, he did have two key passes, and he was fouled five times. Uh, but he empty, did get the he did em, get the ninety minutes in empty stats. Uh, and Mbappe, um, he did get the assist to set up um, Ander Herrera. He you know he completely turned the the club bruise right back inside out and put a nice crossing with his left foot. Ander Herrera, he has four goals for PSG so far this season. You would think with all these signings, you know, you would think someone else would be the top goal scorer, but you know Mbappe was able to get that assist there. Yeah, he's been their best player since the beginning of the season. The the Club Rouge goal came from across into Hans Hans Van Kent. Um, got got a ball crossed into the path by their right back, able to get in. He also had a he was a big problem. Him and uh, De Cantelare, their their striker, they were really getting the most of those chances in there. Really testing Navas, I think, for the uh, a lot more than. PSG tested their goalkeeper, and I don't know. Uh, you think it's a cause for cons- uh, cause for concern this performance for PSG? I think the most concerning part, apart from the injury to Mbappe, I don't think the chemistry is an issue. Um, he's got to find the right lineup. He's got to find the right balance because if you saw, I mean, even in the first fifteen minutes when they were like pretty much dominating because they were in Bruges half the whole time for the most part. And that's when they scored. You well. could see both um, both wing backs, both right back and left back were really high up. And if they lost the ball, they didn't have a center mid that stayed back with the center backs. There's a lot of holes with them. And, and then to even emphasis on that, um, they've been giving up goals left and right every single game. Hey, maybe it's one, maybe it's two, but listen, like at the end of the day, like you just like perfect example today. Like you could score as many goals as you, you might not be able to score as many goals as you you might want. So you're like you're gonna have to kind of bank on that defense to like help you out, even your goalie. I mean, but yeah, man, that's concerning. Um, and then going back, like I put it before, Hakimi played the worst game I've ever seen. Him playing a while. He played it was, it was a lot of those concerns that people had that he just can't fucking defend. And he's really just a better, like, a, a better right back in a five, five-man defense. Playing as a wing back, yeah. As a right wing back, of course. Um, but the one shining thing, I don't know if you saw him. Nuno Mench. Oh, yeah. Yo, he, he looked. His debut. He looked good, man. He, he looked in, scary. He came in for um, Abadou Diallo in the 75th minute. And, you know, he created a – he put a nice ball in for Mauro Cardi. Um, late in the game that would have put PSG up, but um, McCarty couldn't get the ball into the net. Oh, another play that fucking sucks. Overrated. McCarty's awful. Um, but yeah, no, Nuno Mendes, Nuno Mench, it's part of me. 
part of my Portuguese. Um, uh, he he he's looking good. He's looking fast, and for like a what nineteen year old, yeah. he looked determined. So that was good. Um, but yeah, there was a one chance they were almost gonna score a freaking bicycle kick. I I I jumped off my seat. I was like, yo, this. He like hit it too. He just didn't hit it in like. Yeah, he didn't get target. as much contact as he wanted on it. It was uh, Bro, Noah Lang. He put the right kick in. I would have lost my shit. That that would have yo that would have been one of the goals uh goals of the season honestly if he got that in that was a great 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 pass in and that would have put them up as well um but a lot of, a lot of exciting things here for PSG with the debut of New Minge uh Messi getting his first start for them obviously downside Mbappe out the only thing I could say is maybe they were missing Marco Verratti there to maybe pr- provide some more st- uh, stability in the midfield, in the passing game, trying to break the press a little bit more. He's really good at that. <coughs> you know, we saw Wijnaldum, Paredes, and Ander Herrera. Who's going to be the goalkeeper going forward? Because we saw Kaylor Navas make the first start in the Champions League. Do you it's, think it's it's going to be Donnarumma eventually. It's, it's waiting. It's just like a ticking ticking time bomb. I don't know when, but by the end of the season, Donnarumma's going to be the starting goalkeeper. And don't get me wrong, he didn't, he didn't fuck up today. He's, he's never costly... He never actually makes errors. It's just same old story. Like it happened to him in Madrid, but a big time keeper. And it's just like, he's got to, you got to go, man. That is true. He's also getting a little old too. Um, it's fair. That's fair. That's fair. So my last question was an interesting point that I saw. Um, what do you think? Is there anything Pochettino could have done maybe better in terms of handling this game? Um, should he have started Noonman from, from the get go? Marco Verratti wasn't in the squad today, but, you know, obviously they were missing him. But the rest of the bench doesn't really look like anyone that was going to really do some damage when I'm looking at it right now. Uh, do you think maybe he could have changed the setup, add an extra center back and play Hakimi and Nuno as, you know, those wing backs? What do you, what do you say? Um, maybe put it Nuno earlier. I don't know if you could start him. He just joined. I mean, I don't, I don't watch training. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. uh, the one thing, I guess, instead of – Subbing him in for Diallo, I would have taken out Hakimi. No, I don't. That's, that's really. I just played bad. I don't think it's Puch's fault. I guess. Like Mbappe gets hurt, Icardi comes in. It's like there's no one else. There's no more Saravia. Di Maria was suspended, um, and then Moiskin's not there anymore. So, I mean, you have to try this lineup eventually. He just he's got to find a better setup. I think maybe. Maybe for maybe you drop Messi into more of a center mid and you have Di Maria starting instead. And then you have true two center defensive mids like Adrisa Ganagay and Barati who would recover the ball as well and as well as pass. But what he had, the lineup was fine. I think the lineup was fine. Just that one little tweak I put Mendes in instead of uh, take him out, take, take, take it, put him in for Hakimi instead of Diallo. But uh, I, I don't think it's on him today. Well, you know, eventually we'll see Sergio Ramos and Verratti come back, and like you said, address a gay. So those are all. I've been key reading. Guys. Yeah, I've been reading reports. Sorry, just barge in, but about Ramos, that apparently, given the age and the injury, it's like just like he's never going to be healthy again. Mm-hmm. It's going to take him a long time. I'm like, that's 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 tough. I mean, he was he's, he isn't a free. So it is the reality of the game and the reality of being old. But I, but but do. then I feel like to your point about new mensch and Takimi. Dude, if they had Ramos, they play a five at the back, and that's like pretty lethal. 
Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's what I would have. Well, in an ideal world, you yeah. have you have Ramos there with Marquinhos and Kempembe, and you have Hakimi and Nunez just you know running the the, the flanks wild, um, putting crosses in, and you know linking up with Messi and and Neymar or whoever else is on the wing. I think that's probably the most ideal solution. Well, the most ideal lineup for Pochettino, but you know PSG they they have. A lot more games, five more group games to go, and there's a lot of more games to talk about. And also, also, hold on, hold on, Med- Messi, a fraud, stupid midget, going to a farmers league, not the goat anymore, not the goat. Well, because of recent events, we do we do know who your goat is, and your goat was able to do some things in this Champions League game. Let's talk about what happened in Switzerland. We have young boys facing off against Manchester United. What are, what are your overall thoughts on the game? Let's start with that. Here, here's Ole again, bro. Just showing his inability to properly manage a team full of really good fucking players who are way better than young boys. I have no idea where we parked the bus. <laughs> and that that's that was what I was gonna ask you. Um they really parked the bus. Just, right. just some stats here. Early, dude. Let me zero, zero expected goals after we got that red card. Zero. Zero. Now, I have to criticize Ronaldo a little bit. He is the GOAT. He did score. No sue. Oh, I thought that was funny. I thought he was gonna do it, but it's like, yeah, he's playing away. He doesn't have to do it. Um, but um that. That that breakaway he has where he beats the defender and he kind of waits for the contact and goes down easily. Mm-hmm. Shoot the fucking ball, man. <laughs> Yo, you score if you just shoot the ball. I do love. I can already see the connection between him and Ole. And I actually do think he respects Ole because Ole doesn't. I don't I've never seen Ole get so mad. Listen, that wasn't even that clear of a foul. And he, when it's a clear foul, he doesn't get as mad. But if you saw all his reaction to like the, the ref not calling anything, he was like livid. So I kind of see. I feel like that's a good sign because I feel like I don't fucking trust Ole, but I hope our best player does. So um, that was a good sign. But yeah, dude, just shoot the ball, man. Sorry, as you were saying. Um. No. Yeah. And Ronaldo, like you said, he did get to the score sheet. He connected with uh, you know, Bruno Fernandes, that Portuguese connection. Bruno puts a great ball in that kind of just splits the, the two center backs and Ronaldo's, you know, snooping inside the box like he's supposed to just on side. Um, and he's able to get that that opener um, early on in the game. I know you were freaking out, getting ready to see a demolition of young boys. But then I think the the, the game changer when Aaron Wambasaka gets sent off and there were some um you know issue with some people uh some people thought it shouldn't have been a bread some people should have thought it been a yellow even the the commentary the commentators they mentioned that you know maybe in a domestic league in the premier league they might have called that a yellow and not a straight red um he obviously caught christopher martins stepping on his ankle what do you what do you think red or no red uh i mean dude i don't know i mean it is stuts up it's only the ankle, but it is dangerous. It's, I mean, I'm not mad that he gave him a red. I would have been fine with a yellow. It's just, I don't want to react 
based on what happened to my team afterwards, then I'm like, ah, I wasn't a red. Fuck that. No, I don't know. It's just, listen, the ref gave his decision and it is what it is. What came after was the fucking problem. I thought he was very poor on, just before we get to the after part, you know, Wambasaka, he gets the ball. He takes a very, very bad first touch. And that kind of, that's kind of what loses the ball for him and it makes him have to chase after it. That eventually leads him to, to stepping on Christopher Martin's ankle. And I think the, you know, what, what happened next with the game, we have uh, Ollie takes off Jaden Sancho 35 minutes of the game. Played awful. And he puts in Diego Dalla straight defensive right away. And, you know, no, said, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. That one I don't mind. That one I don't mind. No? I mean, you could you could argue that wait till halftime and then put Sancho as a white right back. That one I don't mind. The one I minded was, uh, who does he take off? He takes off Van de Beek. He takes off Van de Beek and puts in Varane. In Varane. But that came in a little later. That came well, in. Right, at halftime. And the first issue I have also is, why did you not start fucking Varane, bro? Was he not fit? I never know. But maybe he thought Lindelof needed some game time. There's a you know big squad, I mean, no, a lot of rotation. I mean, don't get me wrong, he didn't he didn't play a bad game. I'm only curious of why he just didn't start Varane. That's fair enough. But you know, you wasn't you weren't you're not expecting a red card all the time. And you make that substitution to you know solidify the defense because you are down to 10 men. But I don't think they really didn't go for it in that second half. We've seen teams down 10 men win games. Uh, right? so so I I, th- I think I think I mean if you sense the game, if you actually were watching and like kind of like were analyzing what's happening, they couldn't play. Like they couldn't control the ball. The, the turf was really fucking with them. I don't know if it was just too fast. They were just not used to it in a while. I don't know what happened, but it wasn't the greatest game. So I think if you tell me, hey, United were up one nothing and they ended up parking the bus. And I'm like, okay, what, what was it? Like 70th, 80th minute? That's when I'm like, okay, listen, like we got it. Now it's time to park it, you know, like. We're not even playing that great. The, the issue I have was more the um, just the tactics, man. He just, I don't know. He always gets something wrong, man. And that's going to be our downfall. And like I told you, if he doesn't win his trophies this year, he's out. bro. He has to be out. No, and in that second half, United uh, had 31% of the ball compared to Young Boys, 69%. And they had zero shots. I think that is just inexcusable. To you me, know, to me, possession. We're never. We've never been really the greatest possession team. I know it is who it is. We are ten men, but that, but again, that kind of more in terms of we're parking the bus. We shouldn't have parked the bus against young boys. But zero shots. I know, man. It's embarrassing. I don't know what to tell you. No shots. And then obviously the game changer, and eventually was your downfall. Well, first we got the sixty-fifth minute uh, equalizer by uh, Ingamalu, and then and the seventy-second minute. Oh, uh, mad lucky, you- mad lucky too, yo. Yo, those two goals are mad lucky too. <laughs> That's how I know. Because at first, I, I'm pretty sure that first goal was an own goal with Veron. But whatever. Um, Jesse Lingard comes on for Cristiano Ronaldo in the 72nd minute. And then I think after that, that's when young boys really started pouring it on. And then, you know, the eventually downfall in the 95th minute of added time. Lingard gives it away. And... You know they're able to 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 get it past uh, David De Gea, who's you know obviously not expecting Lingard to just give the ball away. Yeah, I feel bad for Lingard. 
so would you say a more unlucky a more lucky win or an undeserved loss for united i mean we did we deserve to lose but we lost unluck in an unlucky fashion that's exactly what i just said i told you to pick one of them oh what (laughs) i said a lucky win for young boys or an undeserved loss for united you mean a deserved loss undeserved you deserve loss no did you think do you think you deserve the loss yes all right so you deserve but i also think but 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 it also was luck okay yeah (laughs) what could it be both i don't know it just sounded weird in my head (laughs) like like we deserve to lose but the way we lost was unlucky that's it so you didn't really deserve to lose because they won in unlucky fashion Oh, but we did deserve to lose because he parked the bus for a half against fucking okay. young boys. Okay, I see what you mean now. I see what you mean now. But <laughs> like if you're gonna do that, I mean, okay. I, but then you look at the expected goals. Like it was what 1.42 for young boys against like 0.57 for United. Uh, 1.46 for young boys, 0.52 United. Yeah, right. similar. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, so, so like you kind of like right there, like we were we were expected to lose. I don't want to rant because. Because these losses feel different than before in terms of how we're going to bounce back. Embarrassing. Uh, Very embarrassing. But we'll be okay. Well, next next time out, you have a rematch against Villarreal at home. So we'll see how you guys bounce back. Um, Another team that couldn't bounce back off an embarrassing Champions League loss is a team where, you know, we discuss a lot on the show and they're all very familiar with. How do you feel about that Bayern Barcelona game? What I said, man, we're going to get embarrassed. And embarrassing it was. Barcelona created 0.20 expected goals compared to Bayern's 2.43 expected goals. So they they didn't even create half a chance, pretty much. No shots on target. First time ever. Or in 100-something years. I forgot what it is. 100-something years? It was. Hold on. Where is the stat? Hold on. I saw the tweet. Well... Uh, face value, you look at the game, you see 52% possession for Bayern, 48 for Barcelona, and they, they kind of came out there and tried to play them in the beginning of the game. They they set up in kind of a, a back three with Eric Garcia, Piquet, and uh, Ronald Arujo. And Ara, Ara, Araujo. You're Spanish, bro. You Araujo. Ronald Araujo. The text is small on the computer. I'm sorry. Araujo, Sergio Roberto, and Jordi Alba as the, uh, the wingbacks. Um, but I don't think Ronald Koeman got the best out of Memphis Depay in this lineup. Um, he was kind of playing up front with Luke Dijon, and I don't know. It just wasn't sitting right for me. I think they they need, you know, Memphis isn't really a striker in the in the in the sense. He's what was like, Luke, what was Luke Dijon playing, y'all? Like they were playing, like they're they're trying they were trying to counter because they were gonna give up possession. Luke Dijon can't fucking play. A, a, when you park the bus and counter, what the hell is this? <laughs> that team is finished, man. Yo, the craziest thing is, I think, when when does he say this? I think Monday or Tuesday. I think one of the press conferences Kuman gives over the weekend. He's like, yeah, Barcelona should be thankful because I'm here. Like, what do you mean? Oh, because he said he's the future or whatever. He's not even. Bro, he's going to get sacked after this year. I guarantee you. Xavi just doesn't want to come in yet. Let's see. They're just waiting for Xavi, bro. Sorry to go on a different tangent. <laughs> what has Kuman ever done, bro? He put he put was the manager for the for the for the Netherlands national team. They were good for two years. They didn't even win a trophy. They didn't win anything. They were just like they didn't lose a game. Whoa! An Everton manager. 
terrible. Southampton <laughs> won. Got him seventh. All right, cool. Did you win a trophy? No. Shut up. You're not I a good win a trophy man. with Southampton. Such, but, an over, such an overrated manager. Um, Thomas Muller scored from from range off of the flexion of Eric Garcia in the 33rd minute. Uh, bless you. Uh, Thank you. He always seems to kill Barcelona in these Champions League games. The and then eventually we saw uh, Robert Lewandowski. Um, pretty much two rebound goals in the 56th minute off uh, Jamal Masala. He hit the post. And then later on in the game in the 85th off a Gennarby shot. Uh, Bayern, you know, they seem don't really skip a beat. They're, they're bigger. They're more physical. They have the deeper lineup. Uh, we saw Daya Opamecano and Nicholas uh, Sula in the back. Uh, not much for Manuel Neuer to do. Barcelona only had five shots, not on target. I don't know. There's a lot to say about this team. I guess it's interesting to see Jamal Musiala get in, in the squad. No, um, he's good, man. He's good. He can, he can play. Um, you see Kimmich is amazing. That, amazing Kimmich. Goreska's outstanding as well. What were you saying? Sorry. I said you see the trust that Julian Nagelsmann has in Musiala already um, as a young player. Um, eventually, Sergio Navi and Kinsley Coleman came in. We saw Marcelo Sabitzer as well. Lucas Hernandez. A lot of interesting. This this team has a lot of names, man. And they're probably, you know, up there with Man City, probably as the deepest squad in Europe. PSG as well. Those are probably the three deepest squads in Europe. And obviously, they're the, the three, probably the three favorites for the Champions League this season. But, you know, forget, a win- don't forget about the team you hate, man. The team who, uh, who, who Chelsea, wins. bro. Come on. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sorry, carry on. <laughs> but yeah, in terms of squad depth, those you know, no one's really touching those three teams. And you know, Bayern just came and took care of business. So now against Barcelona, they in the last two games, they've outscored them 11 to 2, I think now. Uh, dating back from the 8 2 a year ago. And bro, they've lost, they've they beat them. Six out of the last seven times in the UCL. Ridiculous numbers. Oh, and I, I have a, I had the numbers for this too. Keep going, keep going. Sorry. It's just, you know, a lot of a lot of dead weight in this squad, in this Barcelona squad. I feel like, and eventually they're gonna have to do a mass exodus of players. I just feel bad for Memphis. He had a career years at Lyon. He's expecting to come back and play with Messi, and then he just has to deal with with, with all the, with this mess here. All right, guys, I'd like to introduce our new segment on our show hosted by our very own Santiago. And he's going to run us through some, some nice um, ways for you guys to earn money. Santi, how are we going to earn our viewers some money this weekend? So first disclaimer, I was very jealous of your tribute segment. Um, that's why it's the best segment in the show. The last time we uh, it was just me and you, I, I dropped trivia on you. It's a kind of, <laughs> kind of nice. And I know you like it so much. You did, you did catch me off guard. It's nice being the host, right? But um, so I was just kind of thinking of something. I know, and I know you love trivia. Always been on a bunch of trivia teams with you, uh, especially back in college. Uh, so I was just kind of like looking around. I'm like, yo, what is something I like that I could probably bring to the, to the, to the show? And I'm like, yo, what do I do like almost every week? <laughs> so I like to make some money. And I like to have fun with it. And I like to watch soccer. And I think and I know soccer. I think what's I know. The best I know way, what's the best way to combine sports, making money, and having fun? Money laundering. No, I'm kidding. Um, 
uh yeah so I, i'm gonna have this i'm gonna uh starting out till god until hopefully episode like three thousand. hopefully we get there um i'm gonna start a little segment called ballon d'or bets where i'm gonna be giving out um i guess what weekly weekly picks daily no that's not daily weekly picks i guess episodic picks episodic picks. is that the way english yeah. is so hard man <laughs> uh, so this weekend I'm gonna keep the the goat train moving. See, I'm gonna keep betting this until it doesn't uh, it still doesn't hit. I'll be honest, because so much emphasis is on him on in this attack. But I'm putting money on Ronaldo to score. It's minus one fourteen. Who did United play this weekend? They play West Ham. Okay, um, so Ronaldo to score at West Ham minus one fourteen. Um, so I believe that's you bet twenty bucks. I believe you it returns you. Uh, a little bit less than 19 so like 1850 around there 1860 um but yeah dude i just think that those center backs don't scare me for west ham um and we always are able to score against them so i could definitely see them. i could I'm, I'm betting on the goat man feel good second pick this was actually kind of interesting uh i was i'm doing wolves versus brentford over two and a half goals uh, it's at one it's at plus 150 Brentford, you know, I love Brentford, king of the expected goals. But it's actually been Wolves have been the king of the expected goals. They've like they've scored three two goals this year. They're supposed to have been I think you said seven. Yeah, their expected goals are like seven and a half. They're really underperforming this year. Yeah, and I think they're both gonna create chances. I think this is the this is the kind of game that they're both they're off they're both both attacks are gonna break out a little bit. And I like the odds. So over two and a half goals. Then my third pick, actually, I'll jump to the to this this one first. The team prop. I have a team prop. Uh, so for the Burnley Arsenal game, I really want to pick against Arsenal. I really want to put money on Burnley, but I also just don't see it. Like I just, I'm like, I'm a little biased. Wink, wink. Fuck Arsenal. Sorry. Um, but so I definitely see this ending in a tie, and I also. Think they could easily each team could score one goal. So I'll put both teams to score and in a tie, only half a unit because the odds are plus three fifty. So that definitely pulling for a one-one draw. I might I might sprinkle in on a correct result one as well, exact score. Actually, sorry, that's the right terminology. And my last one is going to be a parlay. It's going to be Inter and Liverpool both to win money line. Plus the under in athletic atletico game of two and a half. And that is plus 180 odds. So far, partly still not the greatest odds. Not so great, great, great odds, but I, I like it. I think Atletico can't score anymore. Um, and Athletic tend to not score as much against him anyway. Uh, Inter just lost against Madrid and tied over the weekend, the past weekend, so they gotta win. And Liverpool play Palace, they always beat them at home. So what do you think? What, what, what's, what's your favorite bet, uh, Lou? What, what do you like? Um, I think I'm really interested in that Wolves and Brentford over. I agree with you. I think the the offenses, the the attacks are expected to break out. I think it's going to be a pretty open game. Um, we saw Brentford go for it against Arsenal, and they can go they go they can go right ahead and do it against Wolves. Um, Wolves, Adamo Traore, and Raul Jimenez, you know, two guys who like to get after the ball, attack, counterattack. 
So over two and a half goals, I, I, I like that. Um, I'm not a fan of the team prop. That's both of our Arsenal biases coming in. Yep. Whatever. Uh, Ronaldo to score. Yep. Sorry, you go. I think I, I'd take Ronaldo to score at West Ham if he starts and all that. And I, I'm, I'm uh, who does Inter play? They play Bol- Bol- Bologna. Okay, so Inter win, Liverpool win, and then under two and a half for Atletico and Atletico. I take that too. So I'm I'm rocking with three out of your four bets. So I guess, but like, can you see though? The, the Burnley Arsenal game ending in a title one one. I could see it. That that's that's my only thing. It's more because of the odds. I'm only doing. I'll, I'll be honest. The, the, like if my bias really were planted, I would say they're gonna lose. Or they would put Burnley to draw or to win or draw. But this is also a betting segment, so I think you gave them a little bit of a right way. Gotta be a little less biased. And that's and why to, you put that's why you put half a unit in too. Right, and then also to go a little more into the Wolves Brentford thing. The under has hit for each of the teams the last three times. So I think the over is meant it's just it's bound to hit now. It's coming. It's coming. And this is the game to do it. I could definitely see three of these four hitting. I hope you hit them. Um, I might do the, the, the parlay myself. If I have some little money hanging around, I probably won't. But well, I'm not a, I'm not a betting man, ladies and gentlemen. But well, I, I, I know good analysis when I see it. Well, these odds are brought to you by the Barstool Sportsbook. God, I wish to respond to that. <laughs> please, Portnoy, please. <laughs> but anyways, if you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. Please bet responsibly. Okay, guys, for a second part of our UCL uh, review, we have a little tag team action going on. We're going to swap out Santi for Edwin and see what Edwin's thoughts are on the rest of the games that happened during the last two days. Edwin, how are you doing today? What's up, guys? Hey, sorry for coming on late. I had, to, had some damn work to do, but good to be on, baby. A lot of action in the UCL. I'm glad you sound spirited. Let's get let's get talking about you know with, with Santiago going. We could talk about Manchester City all we want now. I'm oh yeah, just, ki- just kidding, guys. We're not gonna do that. But we're we're gonna we had a heck of a game on our hands. Uh, a nine goal thriller with RB Leipzig uh, at the at the ad six three the final score. Edwin, just just as a as a casual person. You know, looking at the UCL scores, what, what does six three make you feel? Like, <laughs> Casual <laughs> person, uh, six three. I mean, you don't see that often. And I personally, I know you're gonna give me stick, but I personally didn't watch the city match because of the form that Leipzig is in. So I kind of was expecting like a four nil blowout or whatever. I was just expecting us to completely dominate. Um, but it ended up being a very a pretty close match up until up until like around the 65th minute or so um, when when we started to to you know seal the victory more often and Jack Grealish is looking absolutely phenomenal out there watching him. Oh. Go ahead, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, I'm ready to retract my. Uh, he's a 100 million pound failure. That guy, he was he he was looking amazing. He had the goal and the assist. Uh, Great, great on that left wing side. I know me and you have a lot of discussions on left wing and left midfielder, but I, I was really impressed with Jack. But keep going. Yeah, no, the way he glides with the ball is just, it's like watching Messi play. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and, 
And no, it's amazing to see him get that goal to his first his first goal in the Champions League on his Champions League debut as well. Um, so that's that's gonna do numbers on his confidence and and who knows, we might we might start seeing the birth of of something very amazing in Jack Grealish's career, you know. No, um, yeah. Shout out, shout out my 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 prediction from one of our earlier episodes when I said Jack Grealish for player of the year in the Premier League when you guys laughed at me. But that's still laughable, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, no, Jack, Jack was great. And another thing about City that I just loved, we scored from a header directly off a corner. Shout if, out you're, if you follow if you follow City a lot, you know that never happens. And we scored a penalty today. Those are two of our voodoos as, yep. as a club. Getting a penalty and scoring a header. Um, it was great to see Nathan Ake. He got his first Champions League goal uh, off the corner from Jack Grealish. And unfortunately, his father also passed away a little bit after he actually scored that goal. And then his father passed a little bit after. He had a very emotional Instagram post. So, you know, best wishes to Nathan Ake and his family. Um, and, you know, just the, the performance by City for me when I was watching the game, it, it just looked... They were kind of just shifting the gears a lot. You know, they went up 2-0. I think they kind of uh, put the foot off the, the gas, you know, to say. And then we saw Nkuku take take straight advantage. Christian Nkuku, Christopher Nkuku take advantage of that straight away. Then we kind of got a little fortunate with the penalty there to get a 3-1 at halftime. And at that point, were you concerned at all? Was there uh, – I mean know, – I mean, yeah, I was looking at the at the score lines. It, it was kind of concerning, um, especially you know before the match, seeing the lineup. Um, I I do always get a little bit shaky when um, Diaz and and Stones or, or Laporte aren't aren't playing and in the in the lineup. Um, so seeing Ake, I know he gets a lot of a lot of criticism um, from a lot of the City fans because whenever he does play, it's we do tend to concede or or there's a lot of mistakes going on in the back. Uh, so yeah, it was a, a little bit signs of concerns, but I knew I knew damn well in my heart that City wasn't gonna let me down against an a poor form Leipzig side, but they really gave it to us for a while for sure. And and with the Diaz and Ake partnership, we also saw uh, Ruben Diaz take on the the armband for this game for the first time. Uh, that was really great to see at 24. He's already you know establishing himself as a as a leader, and I know a lot of the City fans have you know, been predicting this for a while that Diaz has that mentality, you know, kind of just to not going to say replace company, but he could be a similar type of figure in the long run. Um, if he stays healthy and stays, you know, well put at just 24. Um, and, you know, Nathan Ake, he has a lot of injury problems. Uh, last year he was, you know, in and out of the side and, you know, hopefully this will turn up for him because I, I was a big fan of him at Bournemouth. And hopefully with a, you know, a decent run of games and some cup games and Premier League action here and there, he'll be able to get up and running. Uh, I think another one of the big talking points on the internet was uh, Pep Guardiola when he was just screaming at Riyad Mahrez, I guess, for <laughs> not tracking back defensively. And then he ended up doing the same for Jack Grealish um, later on. He was, you know, for a good 30 seconds there, he just mouthing away. Um, what do you think was going on between those two in that conversation? <laughs> it was definitely funny to see, especially when Pep was was really giving it to Mara because you could you could see a, a vein coming out on his forehead. So I, I was just like, oh, my, like, what the hell is he yelling at him for? Like, they're up like six. <laughs> you know? But I mean, hey, look, it, it's Pep Guardiola. He's going to demand a lot from the players. And, you know, th- with the caliber that he has, um, his team, you know, you got to expect to to 
work no matter what position you're in if you're if you're in the lead if you're behind you give it all you're you're 110 you know so i mean it's i guess from uh with the competitive menta- mentality that's something that that you'd like to see in, in your coaches where they challenge you even even when you're you're winning you know so i didn't think much of it i just thought it was hilarious no, yeah, we do see Pep give it to a lot of players a lot when they're, especially when they're not tracking back on on defensive pressing. Um, we know that was a, a problem with Aguero early on when Pep first came. But at 51 minutes, and Cuckoo strikes again, and it's 3-2, and I'm sitting there like, what is going on? Like, <laughs> this is this is crazy. And even at that point, that's only five goals in. There were four more goals to go in this game somehow. But... You know, and Cuckoo eventually did get his hat trick to make it 4-3 again. And I'm just sitting here like, what is going on? This game is just – it it gave me that feeling of the, the Monaco game yep, in the first yep, leg. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people were talking about that where we we, we won 5-3. And I even tweeted, I was like, uh, thank God we don't have a, an away leg at Monaco after this or else it would have been, you know, you know what happened after that. We lost 3-1 in Monaco. Yeah. Uh, okay. So luckily this is just a, a group stage game for us. But um, City, heading into the weekend versus Southampton, uh, faced a lot of criticism for the, the, the fans at the match. God, and no. me and you obviously being here in the, in the States, we don't really, you know, there's nothing we could do about it. We can't we just get up and go to every game. Yeah. And, <laughs> but what I did realize, and I saw a nice thread on Twitter, that this has been um, – you know, an occurring thing throughout a lot of the UCL matches. Uh, you know, it's a it's a it's a Wednesday Tuesday night for a lot of these teams. Games start at eight PM standard time in Europe. Um, a lot of people getting out of work on a weekday, trying to get to the stadium. You know, it's kind of hard, and it's also bad because a lot none of the Leipzig fans in the away end were able to get to the be in the building as well. Right. So, yeah. a lot of people just took it as a nice way to take a swing at City. Um, I'm going to put my opinion out on all this. There's, you know, the, the numbers are there that we are one of the, the highest performing Premier League teams in attendance. We, we sell out 98% of the stadium every game, which is just as good as the other top clubs. Uh, we play a lot of freaking games every year because we're in every competition. Sometimes the fans just can't make it, you know? Period. And, and that's it. Yeah. I know. Man. I know. I know we don't have the fan base of like Man United and whatever and Liverpool but, and whatnot, but still, I mean, it's still a it's a massive club. You know, it's, it's we're on the back end of a of a decade long project. You know, a little over a decade long project, but whatever, man. City till I die, baby. Word. And then one day you'll see me and Edwin there giving a a, a live vlog opposed to our 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 socials, where which is giving everyone the fucking piss because that's how Americans are. Facts, but. Uh, Leipzig, 4-3, and then we got Jao Cancelo getting on the score sheet, and then finally Gabriel Jesus to kind of put the game away. Uh, Jesus on fire to start the season. It was good to see him get his goal. And Jao Cancelo, I thought he played extremely well this game. He was really um, all over that, 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 uh, the right side of the pitch. Um, coming in for Kyle Walker. He had four interceptions. He had two tackles. Um. And very accurate with his passing. I think he even had an assist as well. No, he just scored the goal. And just a good 90 minutes from Jao Cancelo, proving that, you know, even on the left or the right side, he's still 
a world-class fullback. And I thought he was probably the most impressive player out of the game. Yeah, yeah, no, 100%. And for a majority of, of last year and last season, he was arguably the best left back in the world because of the immense form that he was in. And he, he just kind of like slipped off a bit um, once once City faced PSG in the first leg of the of the Champions League uh, semifinal. So, you know, it's great to see that he had an amazing match and he's finding his form again because he is definitely a top fullback. And then moving on to another marquee matchup, we have uh, two European giants, Liverpool, AC Milan at Anfield. And if you're a fan of either of these two clubs, you remember 2005 where, you know, the miracle of Istanbul, Liverpool beat Milan in penalties. And then the revenge game two years later in 2007 when Inzaghi brought the revenge for AC Milan. And Edwin, going straight into it, how, how hyped do you feel as a, as a, just a football fan to think of a matchup between those two, two clubs? Oh my God. Yeah, no, I definitely thought it was, you know, before, before coming into the, the Champions League week, I thought it was going to be the match of the, of the weekend. And it would, you know, just the history of the two clubs, especially like you said, playing in two Champions League finals um, against each other back in 2005 and 2007, um, you know, just a lot of, a lot of history there. And, you know, they're, they're one of the few teams with the most Champions League titles uh, between them. So it's going to be, you know, you, you, it looks like it's like a blockbuster type match. Uh, unfortunately, you know, AC Milan's not in the best shape that they, that they are <laughs> right now. They're not anywhere close to what they used to be. And Liverpool's, you know, the past couple of seasons just got back up to, to the top level of where they used to be. So, but no, it was, it was a, a very good match. A surprising match too. No, it's definitely a stepping stone. AC Milan back in the Champions League for the first time since 2014, 2014 I think, right? And yeah. mm-hmm. for a club like AC Milan, it's good to see him back as a football fan. You, you just, you know, your heart skips a beat when you hear a matchup like that. But Liverpool, up and running those first 35 minutes or so, Oof. just bring it, bring it on the intensity. You know, we know Klopp and his pressing, they, they were really – you know, just giving it to, to AC Milan, they were barely touching the ball in that first half, I think. And it just starts off with the with their transition game at the back. And, you know, I want to know what player from Liverpool impressed you the most this game? You know, I, a lot of the – every player on the team stepped up and, and did a very good job, but I'll give a shout-out to Divock Origi. He is someone that is very underrated, you know, and, and – I'll be honest myself, like I kind of forgot he was on Liverpool because of the lack of <laughs> the lack of appearances that he gets and, and the playtime that he gets with with the front three that Liverpool already has and the addition of Diogo Jota, um, you know, just making it a lot harder for him to get break into that that side. It's it's a hard side to break into, but he came on, he got the assist for Mo Salah to tie the game up in the second half, and he he played excellent, you know. So shout out to him. I, I feel like he doesn't get enough credit. No, yeah, and he had some good chances early on because of that press. They were getting the ball, you know, Trent Alexander and Robinson were getting the ball into him a lot in the, in the box early on. But it was actually Trent Alexander-Arnold that opened up the scoring in the ninth minute. Uh, you know, he had a nice little give-and-go with Salah, and he got the deflection off to Mori to get the goal in. Uh, Alexander, he's been in really good form, club and country, I'd say. Uh, you know, he's always going to be a key, a key po- a component of Liverpool. And just going forward... On, in that back line, those two fullbacks, they're just – it's hard to describe them how good they are sometimes. But in the middle of the of the, of the defense, we saw 
Gomez and Matip, no Virgil van Dijk today. And do you think that was just squad rotation from Jurgen Klopp? Because Van Dijk was on the bench. So what are you what are you looking at? Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I think, you know, coming to this match with yeah, although AC Milan is undefeated so far in Serie A, you know, I they their squad is is no match compared to Liverpool's. Um so I think I think Jurgen Klopp definitely trusted um, the backup in, in Gomez to to come in and and you know pick up the pieces. Uh, Van Dyke's also just coming off of a big injury, so just you know just a rotation. Uh, I don't think it's anything uh, to do with tactics or anything like that. Just just to give him rest and kind of prepare him for a grueling season to come ahead. No, yeah, and later on in the game, as uh, the game kept going, we saw an uh, interesting penalty decision. Uh, the hand kind of slices off uh, Benasser's arm as he's jumping up, trying to deflect the ball. He was kind of in a little, his arm was kind of bent, pointing upwards as he was turning his back. I know we had that controversy when we were talking about the, the Liverpool-Chelsea game with the Reese, Reese James and handball. What do you think? Well, you think that was? Did you think that was a penalty? With, I mean, me, it's, I know, it's I know you were, I know you were mad about the the Premier League and their discrepancies about handball. Yeah. Uh, it's it's hard for me to to kind of say whether or not I think it was the right call because with with the ruling to in in today's game and and how everything's working now, that's a penalty. Do I think it's harsh? Yeah, I do because you know watching uh, the defenders, you know he's trying to to block a, a cross coming in from the left hand side, and yeah, he has his back turned, but I I feel like it's it's just kind of the way your body moves you know, the hand slightly comes up. It wasn't even that much far away from his body, but I think it's harsh, but you know, it's, it's going to be given a penalty with, with the way that the ruling is going now um, today. So yeah, just unfortunate. It's just a harsh call, but it is the rules are the rules. No, and Manasseh did pick up a quick yellow card for that. Unlike Reese James, who got the red card in the Premier League matchup for uh, Liverpool and Chelsea. But Mike Mignon, I keep, you know, butchering his name. Uh, One day I'll get it. But he had a nice – he saved the penalty from Salah, who's a notoriously good penalty taker. But good save by Mike Mignon. And even on the rebound, um, he was able to make the double save. But then just before halftime, Liverpool kind of eased up the press. And out of nowhere, we have an equalizer for AC Milan from – uh, Ante Ribic, he he puts the equalizer at the 42nd minute, and then two minutes later, former City man, Brahim Diaz, got to applaud him. He's able to break the press again and, you know, put the ball in, and all of a sudden, AC Milan's up 2-1. That was the only few minutes of the match where AC Milan had any type of control, um, and it, it completely shocked everyone because Milan just were not in it at all that entire first half. Um, they could barely string together any passes. They were congested into their own half. Uh, but on a Liverpool standpoint, it was AC Milan was able to get the breakthrough and, and to equalize and, and go to one up in moments where Liverpool were just kind of just lost like a little bit of concentration and, and pressed and the, you know, the midfield was kind of static um, or whatever. So it was just a little lapse in concentration from Liverpool that allowed AC Milan and that's all it took for them unfortunately but yeah no they, they just weren't in it at all that entire first half no and just for some context for the, the listeners uh liverpool had 61 percent possession and they had 23 shots this game in total and on the first half they had 14 and they're down 2-1 at halftime um i'd be livid 10 shots in the box as well just wanted to throw that in there 
moving on to the second half, though, Mo Salah, he capitalizes and he equalizes in the 49th minute. Um, he's, he does a little, another little give and go with uh, Divac Origi outside the box. He's able to find himself, just beats the offside flag, and just pushes it past me, uh, Mike Mignon. I'm going to figure it out one day. Uh, but, yeah, Salah gets on the score sheet, getting back from his penalty. And then 20 minutes later, Jordan Henderson, he had a sweet strike of the ball as it was uh, heading out of the box, takes a little touch in the dirt, floats up right past me down in the bottom left corner. Uh, it's good to see the Liverpool captain getting some, some goals in. Oh, yeah, Steven Gerrard-esque type, type of goal as well. Captain Fantastic. No, a great strike. And at that point with 20 minutes left, it's it's really all just closing out the game. Um, so, yeah, Liverpool edges out 3-2 winners. They're in amazing form. I don't think they've lost a game at all in any competition so far this season. Um, we know a lot of our questions in our, in our season preview was, was their death going to be an issue? And, you know, so far, Jurgen Klopp's doing his best to manage it. Uh, I think the five subs in the Champions League games helps a lot too. Where do you, where do you see Liverpool go, taking this from here um, with their game at the weekend? Yeah, um... Look, I've, I've said it before, you know, I've called out Santi on this. Santi, um, you know, refuses to, to acknowledge the fact that Liverpool are title contenders for the Premier League this season. Um, but, you know, Liverpool with, with the starting 11 that they have, you know, with Van Dyke in the team and Firmino or Jota, whoever it is, that's arguably like one of the best starting 11 in the Premier League or you can even say in Europe as well, it's just a matter of, can you keep those players healthy? You know, last year they struggled with, with a bunch of injury, massive injury blows in the first team, but they got all their players back now um, with the exception of, of Harvey Elliott, who just got injured uh, this past weekend. But yeah, no, the depth, that's, that's the, the, the talking point. That's going to be the, what can hurt Liverpool in the, in the long run. Because there is that discussion of if they keep their their first team healthy, because they didn't do much in the transfer window, um, but yeah, the depth is going to be something that's to look at for sure. No, one hundred percent, I agree with you. It's gonna it's gonna come down to those injuries, and you know, for AC Milan, we're gonna talk about their game at the weekend a little later in the show. But we did see Milan City rivals Inter Milan uh, take take host to Real Madrid in a a very also another tantalizing matchup between big European giants. And what did you think about this game, Edwin? That game was honestly, it, you know, if you put it next to the to, to the Liverpool AC Milan game, that was that's in contention for game of the week in the Champions League for sure. That game was so end to end, and in the first half, actually, I was surprised to see that Inter Milan were actually, you know, edg- edging Real Madrid out in in terms of playing. Um, because Inter had definitely had their number and, and Courtois was definitely the, the busier of the two goalkeepers. Um, so yeah, they created a, a bunch of chances. They just couldn't, they weren't lucky in putting them away. Um, so yeah, no, Real Madrid got very fortunate with, with that last minute winner from Rodrigo. But no, and was- Inter, Inter was really, they were really testing Courtois. They, they missed three big chances um, this, in the first half alone, all 14 shots. But they were really giving it to Real Madrid. Uh, you know, some would think, how how is Inter going to look with no Hakimi and no Romelu Lukaku, obviously, who were their big-time goal scorers and uh, assist providers last year. But, you know, they look solid. They still have a solid defense with uh, DeVril and Skriniar. 
Um, they, they went back to that back three with uh, Perisic and Darmian on the, on the flanks. And we got to see what Latoro Martinez could do um, up front by himself. Well, not by himself. He does have Ed and Jekko. But, you know, see, it's up to Inzaghi to really get the most out of this team. Um, Real Madrid, like I said, Courtois tested. and Yeah, he had the, the game of his life. Definitely. <laughs> he, was, he was putting in some work that night. Yeah, I think he had five saves this game. Uh, the front three for, for Real Madrid was pretty interesting. Uh, Karen Benzema, obviously, Vinicius Jr., but they did give Lucas Vasquez to start. Um, you know, Lucas Vasquez is a guy in and out of the squad. I'm not really sure. In that right back to. last season, too. Yeah, so he he's a nice little Swiss Army knife that uh, Ancelotti has for himself. And we had David Alaba and Eder Militao solidifying the defense over there. But the, I think the big the big talking point is Rodrigo, who came in for Lucas Vasquez, getting the, the game winner at the end of the game, and the assist from Eduardo Camavinga. Uh, he scored at the at the weekend, and he's getting the assist in his, his first Champions League game for Real Madrid. How how good has he has been in his game, and you know what can he offer Real Madrid? Oh man, what can't he offer? He's loads loads of potential. This this young man has. Uh, I can definitely see him being the successor to. To Luka Modric in that midfield, um, you know, this is his second game in Real Madrid colors. You know, he came off of the bench uh, sort of late on around like maybe like the 70th minute or so. And, and it was pretty similar to, to when he came on at the weekend as well, um, where he got to score on his debut. And in this match, just putting in an assist for the game winning goal. So now does loads for for his start at Real Madrid and it's going to do loads to his his confidence and, and his development. So very exciting to see what Ancelotti can can do with this young talent who has a bunch of potential. No, and he's just get, he's just kicking off. Um and this group could be could be really interesting for both clubs. Um especially Milan taking that loss really, really early. Um how do they bounce back in the Champions League right now? I mean, you know, there's still there's still loads of football to be played in, in the group stages. Well, I don't want to say loads, but how many matches left? There's five. five, right? Yeah, five. They can they can very well turn it around. And, and Real Madrid and Inter Milan are, are the two that we expect to get out of their group. Um, what I'm saying is, you know, they're missing Lukaku, who had who was obviously the top goal scorer the last two, three seasons he was there. Can does Lautaro Martinez have it in him to to take up that role? now or do you think he's still a little off that he obviously obviously he isn't at Lukaku's level but do you think there's enough around him to get the most out of him at uh, Inter Milan right now well, let, let me just say this fuck Lutaro Martinez you're fo- <laughs> you're, fo- <laughs> you're focusing on the wrong player they, they brought in Edin Dzeko to fill in for the shoes of Romelu Lukaku and yes very big shoes to fill but Jacko is is the one who who's more similar in play style to to Romelu. Um, Latar Martinez is always going to be, you know, one of their bigger players, and but he's he's definitely the the one that's to combine with with the main striker, and that's going to be Jacko this season. Uh, Jacko, obviously, former city city boy, city legend in my opinion. Um, so we know your what bias he, is showing. You know what what he's capable of doing, and he yeah, is, but I'm saying. He was exceptional at Roma too, so I think the combination of them two is going to be more important. I don't think it's going to fall only on Martinez to to pick up where Lukaku, um, you know, lifted them up. 
I just want to say, look, look uh, Ed and Jekko at pushing 36. He turns 36 in March. It's going to be, you know, he doesn't, at Roma, he looked really well, but I just, I just need to see what, what more can he really offer? But we'll see where, how they, they advance in the Champions League because they've had very poor performance in the Champions League. And, you know, that Europa League final loss was not, was not a good, a good taste in my mouth either a couple of years ago versus Sevilla. But we'll see how they fare on. So obviously with the Champions League, we have a lot of matchups over two days and we don't want to bore you guys for three hours because we can talk about all these games if you really wanted us to. But I know we'll just look at our big matchups. Uh, Sevilla and RB uh, Salzburg, uh, 1-1. I think there were about four penalties in that game. Yeah, man. That were, <laughs> that were called a lot of misses, especially in RB Salzburg's end. They were very unfortunate to come out with just a point in that. Uh, Villarreal, last year's uh, Europa League winner, they faced off against uh, offensive powerhouse Atalanta. Gets a 2-2 draw if they were down with the 10 men. Interesting, I think, Juventus gets their first win of the season. Uh, Yikes. 3-0 versus Malmo. Uh, I think a very complete performance. Um, it was good to see Paulo Dybala back and Locatelli. Uh, Alvaro Morata and Alexandra also got on the score sheet, and they pretty much dominated that game. Um, elsewhere through Europe, Erling Haaland, our robot, the Terminator, gets on the score sheet as Dortmund beats Besiktas. He scored. And Ooh. also Jude, Jude Bellingham. In uh, lovely form that kid is, man. He got the assist eight, as well. Goal and eight, assist that game. At 18 years old, there's going to be a lot of clubs sniffing in Dortmund, obviously for Haaland, but maybe for Jude Bellingham next year as well. Um, our favorite terrorist, Atletico Madrid. <laughs> Come out with a nil-nil draw, surprisingly, against Porto. Now, Porto, um, from what you tell me, it was a very end-to-end game. I, I wasn't able to catch the game yet, but, uh, you know, at Atletico, I, I don't expect anything much but a nil-nil draw. Yeah, we, we were talking about possible upsets, you know, in, in our previous episode for this match week in the Champions League, and I said I wouldn't be surprised if, if Porto picked up some points or got a result against Atletico, but it was a very, it was a pretty tight match. Uh, Suarez just nearly, you know, got the winner, like very late on legit, like the last kick of the game, um, taking a free kick from outside the box uh, where Porto defender actually got sent off for a challenge on Antoine Griezmann, but it was a very, very good match. Very good match, even though it was, you know, terrorist football from Simeone. <laughs> And not a marquee matchup, but something I wanted to touch upon. Sebastian Haller with four goals against Sporting Lisbon. A guy that at West Ham, you would think that this guy has no future in football. <laughs> turns, turns it around at Ajax. He was very bad at West Ham. And I think he cost like 40 million pounds, too. Uh, from, I think he came from Frankfurt, yeah. uh, if, I'm, if I'm correct. Uh, very poor for, uh, at uh, West Ham. But four goals in the Champions League so far. Is he our top scorer? This nah. season, <laughs> nah, man, one could dream, but it was who did I play? They played Sporting Lisbon, right? Yeah, they played Sporting Lisbon. All right, so yeah, no, against Sporting Lisbon, I am glad to see that he, he got the four goals because he is a former West Ham player. Um, and that's that's a team that I have a soft spot for. Um, and shout out West Ham, they got a victory in the Europa League today. Mikel Antonio with, with a goal, and Declan Rice with a lovely. Solo go. Anywho, I digress. Mikel Antonio again? Yeah, again. That guy, bro. that guy's in the form of his life. Man Bring like him up Antonio. for England. <laughs> Bring him up for England. <laughs> Facts, but I digress. I, for it. I digress. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't know. It'll do him good confidence, but nah, he's like, I'll get no golden boot, man. 
yo, he's up to four already. I think Holland only needed 10 last season. He has five more group stages games to go. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, let's hop into the best segment of the show. I know we all love it. I know the boys love it. Trivia time. And Santiago will be joining us from his little hiatus hiatus because he loves trivia so much. So let's get him in here. Santiago, thank us. Thank you for joining us for trivia. How are you doing today? I'm well, I'm well. I'm well. Let's go, man. Let's go. I know you couldn't miss this for the world. No, no. I I had to move a couple stuff around. Wasn't gonna make it, but we got about trivia. We're going to switch the format of trivia a little bit because we want some winners and losers. And we have two big losers here who want to win. Right, guys? Sadly, yes. So what we're going to do is I got my question. I have 10 answers, 10 possible answers. Whoever gets the most right out of the two, they'll each take turns giving an answer. Uh, whoever gets the most right wins today's matchup. And then we'll keep score. So here we go. My question to you guys is how many teams – have won the Champions League going undefeated. Edwin. Oh, hold on, hold on. Before he answers, is this when they oh, got no. renamed to Champions League or the or Europe? Also European Cup. Got it. And not how many teams named the teams. Okay, got it. Got it. All right. So, Edwin, take it away. All right. Which teams have gone undefeated? All right. In the Champions League. <laughs> oh, my God. Bayern was so close to doing this a couple two seasons ago. Um, no, they did. Did they? I can't remember. All right, What's I'm your go, answer? I'm going to go with my gut, Bayern. Correcto mundo. Yeah! They had 11 wins in 11 games in the reduced schedule, so we're going to put a little asterisk next to that, but they did win the tournament with a 100% record being the first side to do so. Santiago. Uh, Barcelona. Barcelona had nine wins and four draws in 2006, so that is correct. Edwin. All right. Um, Real Madrid. Real Madrid have not gone unbeaten in the Champions League, unfortunately. Yeah. So it goes to Santiago to take the lead. Ajax. Ajax did go unbeaten in 1971-72 and also 1994-95. Edwin? I'm going to go with Valencia. Valencia have not done that. They haven't won a Champions League, unfortunately. So it's going to go to Santiago. Oh, they made a final, though. Damn, I thought they won that final. Real Madrid won that final. Shit. So good, man. We all make mistakes. Um, now, I'm I, just to clarify, there's losing in the final by a penalty is considered being unbeaten. Oh, wait, no, but they lose. They'd have to have won the Champions League. So yeah, yes. got it, got it, got it, got it. Okay. Two brain farts in a row. Um. You guys are making this way harder than it needs to be. Inter, Inter, Inter. Inter Milan in 1964 had seven wins and two draws. Santiago Jeez. takes a 3-1 lead. Gonna go with Liverpool. Liverpool done it twice, 1980 and 1984. 3-2. Santi, anyway, let's go. Um, I don't think they have. A, uh, AC Milan. I was going to say AC that. Milan have done it twice, 1989 yep. and in 1994. I was going to say that one. All right. uh, let's see. Back to me. Um, Four two, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, keep the score at home. Four two. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, Nottingham Forest. That is correct. Nottingham Forest did it in 1949. Uh, Very three. surprising. 
Very surprised you guys got that. Porto. Porto did not do it. Oh, no. I thought he did. <laughs> Damn it. I no was really Porto. confident. Did he lose one game? Um, I couldn't tell you. I'm, I'm actually. Uh, I'll search it up after. But. Okay. Hey, right. boy. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm torn between two choices. Uh, Aston Villa. Aston Villa did not go undefeated in the Champions League when they Damn. won the titles. Damn it. We have four choices left. It is four three right now. Santiago, what do we got? What do you got for us? Damn it. Um five, four, three, two, one. Juventus. I don't no. think they even won it. Yeah. No, not Juventus. Edwin. I couldn't even think. Uh Chelsea eleven Chelsea the eleven twelve season. No, sir. Fuck. Santiago, 10 seconds. Oh, oh, I didn't know my t- clock started. Damn. I'm timing you guys. It's taking too long. Three, two, one. I have, uh, da, ba, ba, ba. Er, too bad. Edwin, 10 seconds starts now. <laughs> Borussia Dortmund. No, sir. Santiago, 10 seconds starts wow. now. My United. Manchester United did it twice, 1999 and also in 2008. They did do it in 08. Tough. Cheers to that, boys. So we have three options left, and Edwin is down. So he has to get all three of these right to win. But he could also tie. Edwin, 10 seconds starts now. Um, There's uh, probably one obvious choice, and then maybe two, one that we're probably not going to get. Atletico Madrid? No, sir. They oh, wait. Won. They never won. Fuck. I just, I, the pressure got to me. Santiago, your 10 seconds starts now. Marseille. Marseille is correct. And with that, the lead is insurmountable. Santiago wins six to three, beating Edwin. Gosh darn it. So the other two teams, well, Marseille did it in 1993 when they won the Champions League. And AC Milan. Oh, we said AC Milan already. Right? So you had one more. Red Star Belgrade was undefeated when they won in 1991. Red Star? Yes. Fellas, I'd like like to thank you for playing trivia. This has been great. As always, I win. So Santiago takes the the first official win of the season. Santi, your ass is mine next. It was great having you back. Bye, Santi. See ya. Uh, Hold on. Porto lost once. Damn, they lost to Madrid. They lost 3-1. Damn. All right, boys. Take care. See you, baby. And that was our trivia segment, ladies and gentlemen. Edwin coming up as a loser again, probably for the fifth time now in in these games. But his first official loss. So we'll see how he he can come back for this next time. Well, all right. Technically, Santi has four losses if we're counting the other trivias. What? Yeah, since I've we Santi and I have both lost the other other trivias, and you. Oh, you guys lost versus me. Yes, yes, as yes. the host. Okay, we'll, 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 all right, but now it's a one on one competition. So, first official loss, first official win. And I guess let's wrap up the show now with our weekend preview. We had a couple, we have a couple pinpointed matchups that we like to discuss. And I guess we'll start with our favorite league, the Premier League. Uh, Edwin, what are you, what are you looking out for this weekend? Uh, most interesting match for me is probably West Ham versus Man United. 
Um, United coming off of that terrible loss against young boys in the Champions League on Tuesday, going up against West Ham, who got a Europa League victory today. Um, so th- that's always a good one. Ronaldo looking to, to continue his run of form and probably scoring in that match. But hopefully West Ham have, have something to say about that. So I think that's going to be a cracker of a match. I think the biggest story is the return of David Moyes against Manchester United, even though the game is at West Ham. <laughs> and Jesse Lingard returning to the West Ham Stadium, the London Stadium. So we'll be on the lookout for that. My key matchup is, I think, at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Chelsea coming to town, a nice London derby to get the boys riled up. Um, Tottenham, they're coming off a, a draw in the, their Europa League game today. As we record uh, today, as we record Europa Conference game. I'm sorry, it's gonna be it's gonna be a while before we get used to that. Uh, Chelsea, <laughs> they got the win versus Zenit St. Petersburg. Um, Nuno Espirito Santo is going to be interesting how he plans for Romelu Lukaku and Mason Mount and Kai Havertz. Um, I'd be interested to see what type of lineup Thomas Tuchel comes out in as both these teams kind of play, you know, we call it defensive football, even though Tuchel's side, you know, they're, they're more possession-based than a lot of defensive football teams that we see. Nothing is as bad as Atletico. But I think it's going to be an interesting matchup. All London derbies are always very 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 um yeah high hyped intensity. up hyped up high intensity and i'm i'm hope i know we're gonna see another one um moving around europe um in syria i think we have a key matchup well we do have a key matchup we have ac milan and event visiting juventus juventus picking up their first win of the season in all competitions ac milan decent form coming off the loss versus liverpool what do you expect out of this game edwin Oh, I don't know what to expect, honestly, with with this Juventus side and how they're performing domestically. But Milan still undefeated in, in Serie A so far. Um, I think I'm pretty sure it's uh, them and Roma who have the perfect, uh, perfect start to the season. Uh, so that's going to be a good one. Definitely. This match is also a, another blockbuster type type of thing. Um, but, you know, we'll see if Juventus can kind of pick up, pick up their slack a bit and, and really give it to them if they want to start recovering and, and contest for the Scudetto. Um, I think Juventus is going to bounce back. They have Lukatelli, Chiesa, and Paolo Dybala all in the lineup now, ready to rock, ready to rock, baby. And I think they're gonna they're gonna give AC Milan if there's, if if AC Milan put up the same type of performance they did against Liverpool, it's gonna be a rough time for them. Well, I mean, f- fair to, to to Milan, they were missing Zlatan at Anfield. I'm not sure if he's gonna be back for for this match at at Juventus. I, I don't think so, but. Uh, well, we'll see how they can fare against them. Heading over to Spain, we have Real Madrid visiting Valencia. And I know, Edwin, you were excited about this match. What What's hyping you up about it? What's hyping me up about it pretty much is the fact that Valencia see themselves in second place so far in La Liga standings. Um, so they're coming in very hot. They have three wins and one draw so far this season. So they're undefeated. Uh, Real Madrid edging out equal on points. So they're, they're in first place. Uh, actually equal on everything. They have the same goal differential, same points, same amount of wins and, and draws. So it's going to be a good one. I think Real Madrid will edge it out, but I'm hopeful that it's going to be a very end-to-end match and Malenta could really, really test this Real Madrid side. No, and it'll be, it'll be great to see, you know, this Real Madrid side again, but they do have conceded a lot of goals in La Liga so far, the six and four games. So that'll be interesting to see if uh, Valencia's attack can take advantage of that. Um, still trying to sort out the Edder Militan, David Alaba partnership out there in the back. 
Um, I think my game to look at um, as we head over to France, we have PSG and Lyon who have given up some very t- enticing and fiery matchups in, in the, in the past. Uh, obviously PSG, as we spoke about before with Santiago, they, they were one, one escaped with a one, one draw versus club Bruges. Um, how do they bounce back from that? And against a tough opponent on Leon, what, what do you see happening there? I think, I think PSG is going to get the, the victory over them. I'm not too convinced of, of Leon. Uh, right now with with their performances in, in league on especially with with the absence of Memphis Depay leaving them this summer um so you know it's going to be it's going to be exciting to see I'm, I'm expecting Messi to get his his first league on start um and, and probably play his his first full match in, in league on as well um but yeah no hopefully Messi can kind of you know respond to to re- the heat that Ronaldo's been picking up and and getting the goals in the past two games with United um you know it's Let's hopefully see a little messy hat trick against Leon. Hat trick. You heard it here first. Messy hat trick against Leon. That'll be something to see to really uh, spice up the Ronaldo and Messi um, rivalry even more. Yeah, we're going to see the trio of Mim. No, Min. Min. Messi, Neymar, Icardi, baby. Oh, I thought... What? (laughs) (laughs) Since since Mbappe is out. Oh, yeah. Mbappe is hurt. Yeah, I, I, I completely forgot about that. All right, it's also Eminem because you could just say Messi, Neymar, Maro. Oh fuck you! There right. we go. There we go. There we go. We got Eminem reincarnated, baby. Yeah, the new Eminem. Even though Cardi at this point is just a shell of himself and what he was doing at Inter, but hopefully he could he can pick something up. I doubt he starts though. Maybe they'll use a little Messi false nine with uh, Angel Di Maria coming on in the wings. I don't know. We'll see what Pochettino does, and maybe he'll bottle it for our entertainment. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's all the time we have today. Thank you for joining us with this uh, QCL special. And we'll have a lot more specials coming up as the matchups keep going. Uh, I hope everyone has a great weekend and enjoys all the games. Lots of football to watch. And you'll hear from back from us next week. This has been the False Nine Podcast. Thank you guys for watching. Give us a like, subscribe. Peace out. Boom.